0: You're listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, Episode 112. Welcome to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, where we explore public health epidemiology careers and share tips and strategies to help you enter or transition into the field. And now your host, Dr. Charlotte Hughes-Huntley. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this episode. In today's episode, I speak with Harvey Kennedy, who has extensive teaching and research experience in the area of sexual health and behavior modification. His work revolves around shedding light on the important health disparities in Black, Asian, and minority ethnic communities in the UK. Now, I met Harvey several months ago. This is at the time of this recording, or at the time that this airs, will be about the second week in October. If everything aligns perfectly well. But I met him early summer, late spring, somewhere in that time frame, just to put into context. And he reached out to me and wanted a consultation, wanted to meet with me to discuss strategy, career questions he had, he let me know that he had listened to every single episode of the podcast and had really taken to heart the advice and the tips and feedback that I provided over various episodes. And he really meant that because when I met with him, he was able to recite different parts of different episodes. And he talked about, he referred back to different things that I taught in different episodes from way, way back on the podcast. So he really, really was taking all of that in, which I really appreciated. I was really fascinated to speak with someone who had you know, listened to every single episode and had, you know, really gotten so much out of it. So we had a very good session. We talked about, uh, we really dug into a lot of what was concerning him. I addressed some of his concerns. And sometimes people need a, you know, a really good strategy session like that to really just kind of get the thoughts out and really gain a lot of clarity. And we talked about next steps and and gave him a couple of options. And after a few days, I did hear back from him, and I just wasn't sure what that meant. I, I assumed everything was fine, but after several days had passed, I received another email from him as a follow-up, and it just—it seems as though everything just clicked into place. I want to read to you part of this email that he sent to me um, because I was really blown away. He said, Dear Dr. Huntley, It's amazing what 40 minutes of advice can do for one who is listening with a keen ear. Reflecting on my notes taken during our recent Zoom meeting, I took on board your advice and took major steps to advancing my public health strategy. Having revamped my mindset and redirected my effort in this last week, I managed to apply for six different public health roles put my entrepreneurial hat on, and get a move on my public health business. By Wednesday, I had landed myself an interview with my first choice public health company for the following Monday. By 8 p.m. this evening, I had drafted, branded, promoted, and officially launched my new community health platform, Black Beetle Health, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I don't know what you said, but it sent me into overdrive. You are a force of strength and encouragement for me and so many others. Please keep up the good work you're doing. Kind regards, Harvey Kennedy. After reading this email and watching his action steps continue and his business take form, I had to invite him on the podcast to share his journey into public health and promote his business and efforts to advance the mission of public health. I was really, really so encouraged and just in awe of his enthusiasm and drive. And it was as if he just needed to get the thoughts and ideas out of his head that he'd been thinking about and share with someone. And, you know, he had everything going for him. He did all the work. He already had it figured out. He just needed to know that it was okay to take off. It it just seems like he took off literally after that meeting and Several months have passed since that first happened and it just continues to grow. I watch his business on social media. I see pictures and images. He's having meetings within the communities. He's really, his community is growing and he's really doing some amazing work in a very important area, topic, community kudos to you, Harvey, for what you're doing, and I hope that you continue on, and I hope that others will be inspired to take action after hearing more about your story. So I'm really excited to have him on the podcast. Let me read to you a little bit more about his background, and then I'll connect the interview. Now, he was born in South London. Harvey is a scientist by education and a public health and science educator by trade, a qualified teacher Harvey's public health interests include health disparities across Black, Asian, and minority ethnic groups, particularly among gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men. An associate member of the Royal Society for Public Health, Harvey has had extensive teaching experience as well as research experience in the area of sexual health and behavior modification with his work in HIV counseling and testing, sexual health engagement, plus the Osong Public Health Journal. When not working in the community, Harvey enjoys playing the viola, singing, playing badminton, sewing, and traveling the world. Now completing his doctoral studies at the University of Chester, Faculty of Health and Social Care, he hopes to continue to shed light on the ever-emerging evidence informing existing sexual health services for LGBTQ people of color. Now, before we get started, I'd like to mention that today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash public health and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash public health. All right, let's connect that interview now with Harvey so that you can get to know him better and hear about his journey into public health. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to my special guest, Harvey Kennedy. Harvey, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Dr. Emily.
0: So excited to jump into this. I've told the audience a bit about you in the introduction, but I would like for you in your own words to just introduce yourself and say a little bit about, you know, your background, about what you've done before, what you're doing now. Just tell the audience about you.
1: Absolutely. Well, uh, my name is Harvey Kennedy. Uh, I'm based over in the UK, uh, but I did complete a portion of my studies um, in other places, partially in the United States, as well as over in South Korea. I completed my Bachelor's of Science degree in Biology um, at Oakwood University in Huntsville, Alabama, um, as part of a pre med scheme. I then went uh, across the ocean to, uh, yet again, to South Korea, where I later found out about the Master's of Public Health degree at Samuk University and completed that in Health Education. Uh, once I'd done that, I completed a postgraduate year of research um, on HIV uh, for MSM, which is sex Sexual Plan. And then return back to the UK. But upon doing so, I found it a bit uh, interesting trying to get back into the actual public health field. I think I had my education done. I had done my first degree, my second degree. I was feeling very ready, very prepared to uh, get straight into the sector, and and that was not to be. Uh, I was applying, 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 many applications a day. Uh, you know, never thought about volunteering at the time. Never thought about um, starting my own thing at the time. Just very much depending on my degree to get me there. And as a result, I was sort of thinking, well, I need to soon find gainful employment because, you know, we've got bills to pay. So uh, I was advised to go and pursue a postgraduate certificate of education, which is basically a teaching certificate here in the UK. And then start teaching biology, chemistry and physics for uh, high school or secondary school. I did that through St. Mary's University in Twickenham. And I uh, did that for a few years um, before I got my current position.
0: That's really cool. That's um how did you enjoy your time in the United States? How, much, how long were you here, by the way?
1: Uh, I was there for quite a few years, actually. It's a four-year degree um, for biology, uh, but I also completed a portion of high school uh, over there as well.
0: Okay, okay. That's really interesting. So you've got a very broad background, which is to your benefit. And I I love your story. I just I have to pause here. I don't want to embarrass you, but I, I have to tell this little part. One of the reasons, one of the ways that we connected is Harvey reached out to me through LinkedIn, I believe, or maybe an email. But he had a question, but he let me know that he had listened to every single podcast episode that I had. And I can't remember how many I had at that point. And I was really impressed by that. And and I also really thought it was sweet that you let me know that you had applied the strategies that I teach and you had applied the lessons learned. And I actually remember looking at your LinkedIn profile, for example, thinking, wow, this looks really great. And you were just reassuring me that you had been doing all the things that I've been teaching and, you know, but you needed to just, you know, ask a few questions. And I thought, I can't say no to this guy. <laughs> this is great. I really wanted to get in front of someone who had been like a sponge, listening to everything and really, obviously, um, taking it all in because you were actually, you know, kind of repeating some of that back to me. So I was, I was just really thrilled to be able to to meet you and to speak with you and to kind of, you know, to get to know you. So I, I appreciate you, you know, initiating that. And in, uh, that conversation led to several conversations and and you being on this podcast. So
1: well, the pleasure's is mine, <laughs> certainly.
0: Well, we're going to keep talking about you because uh, I want you to tell more about your story. So when do you think you first became interested in public health as a career?
1: Well, um, I think my mom, well, my mom is a nurse. She well, She's retired now, but she was a nurse for many years, both over in the UK as well as over in the United States. And we used to listen to her stories all the time, you know, just the, the nightly shifts of dealing with patients. Uh, and dealing with uh, you know the paperwork and having to map case management and so I knew that health was always something I wanted to do uh, and I knew that science was a starting point for me so uh, as long as I got into my sciences I'd be able to get into health and then in getting into health I could then figure out what in health I wanted to do. Now uh, we know that medicine sometimes obviously will deal with the patient one-on-one and focuses on what the patient uh in that moment can, uh, what you can do for that patient. But sometimes we forget the wider population and the effect that public health can have on a wider scale. Uh, And I think um, when that conversation I had in the the staff room, uh, over in Korea, in the staff room with a colleague of mine who told me about this MPH programme and told me what the benefits were of this thing, that was probably the first time that I started looking into it for real, for real, and trying to figure out uh, what I could uh, potentially use that to do.
0: Oh yeah. That's really great because you were able to kind of get that understanding earlier um for a lot of us well you're much younger but people that have been in the field for so long I was in healthcare for so long and then I knew I wanted to be involved in health and I thought healthcare was the option. You know, those were the choices and I ended up kind of stumbling into public health which happens to a lot of people, especially in my age and my generation coming through, it wasn't really public health wasn't popular, you know, really clearly talked about. We just kind of found out about it a little bit later. And and now I really am happy to know that it's being presented to students so much earlier uh, in the journey. You know, a lot of high schools even have uh, public health programs. And, and so that those options are being presented earlier and it's clear to people a lot earlier than it used to be. So that's a really that's a really good thing. So, how do you think your previous roles uh, really helped you prepare for your transition into uh, what you currently do?
1: Well, uh, my mom always said that no experience is wasted. No experience is wasted whether you might be at the till, ringing people up at, at the checking counter, you might be bagging, you might be sweeping, you might be cleaning. No experience is wasted because everything is a skill. Uh, and so I can't look at any of the roles that I've had previously and say to anybody, oh, that was a waste of my time because it wasn't. Um, whether it was me teaching, which teaches you presentation skills, teaches you how to slow down, enunciate, ensure people are understanding what you're saying, um, dealing with complex situations and conversations, monitoring progress, you know, setting goals, creating objectives, making sure that they're fulfilled, you know, that was what teaching did for me, uh, even when I was teaching English in South Korea. Now, over South Korea, I was not qualified at the time uh, to be an educator, but a lot of the interactions I had were with people whose second language as English and so you had to ensure that they understood. Now that's something in public health that we discuss as well when when we deal with people uh, who uh, speak English as a second language is are they understanding their care, are they understanding what's being provided for them, are they understanding their options and learning how to ensure that people understand what it is that you're saying uh, is another skill that was gained along the way. now I've got feedback on the fact that oh you've only done research in the, in your background you've not done any population health you've not done anything client facing um, but at the same time it's it's again beneficial to understand what the bigger picture of the research um, is saying with regards to the area that you're interested in so that when you get into those those well being rooms you get into those service uh, capacities that you understand the importance of the interaction that you're having with that 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 patient or that client um, that service user there in the room there and then.
0: So that's really good that's very true. Now what you think about this a little bit and I know since you listen to the podcast so faithfully um what population you know I'm really I really am interested in knowing where the passions are what is your passion for public health and helping people really identify that and connect with what you know the populations the causes what you care most about so what population or condition or you know public health problem are you most passionate about
1: um i'm most passionate about health education and promotion uh, of sexual health and mental health services for uh, black asian minority ethnic populations here in the uk now that black, Asian, minority, ethnic, that BAME or that BAME acronym is not something that's used outside of the UK, but it basically means minority. It means, um, you know, those who are what some people might call hard to reach groups or they might call um, just ethnic groups in, in general um, and and how they access services that we find it difficult to talk about. You know, we know that historically within you know, our communities, it, we don't like to talk about sexual health. We don't like to talk about mental health because we think they don't exist. We think that they're too taboo. We think that we just want to do without them uh, and they'll sort themselves out, you know? Uh, And so I want to just sort of create a space where people can actually feel comfortable about these conversations uh, and potentially um, in doing so improve their access, their engagement to services um, and and their overall wellbeing through engaging with those services. So um, I think my research started with looking at um, HIV, looking at, um, STIs sexually transmitted infections in men of sex with men that was over in South Korea so uh that was pertinent up to a point but uh, I wanted to sort of continue that and focus refocus that to black black African and African caribbean populations here in the UK
0: it's very important I am so impressed that you're able to like really be so clear and specific about the population the cause you know the mission you're very clear and that's that helps you to stay so targeted and focused and driven and to help you identify your opportunities. You know, as you are aware, um, I have to really point this out because I want people to really know this. When we sat down, we basically scheduled, I'm going to call it a strategy session. And we had a conversation where, you know, I really didn't know um, I, other than from your email, I knew you had questions. You wanted to talk about some things, but I really didn't realize that you really, you had so much going on in your head. You had all these ideas and you had all these, these thoughts and you were trying to really fit a mold with what you wanted to do in a, in a traditional way, you know, looking for this job that would kind of fit everything that you wanted to do. And really and truly, you needed to be able to spread your wings and, that was a very important kind of turning point when we were able to have that session. And I'll just tell the audience, we sat down and we talked. And during that session, we went through a lot of, you know, details. I answered his questions. I gave him a lot of guidance. Um, and we really had a full session. And initially, he was he was talking to me about joining my strategy program, Developing Your Public Health Career Strategy. But sometimes people just need a good strategy session. And so much evolved, so much clarity came out of that. And this young man just took off like a rocket. I mean... After that session, I want to say maybe within a couple of days, he had completely structured his business. He was everywhere, and he was booming, and it has not stopped since. And I I had to bring him on the podcast to really share this. So as I say all of this, and I'll probably be making you blush right now by kind of doing all of that right now, but I really want people to hear that because sometimes people are wrestling around with ideas that they have, and they keep trying to fit into this mold or fit into this role or this position or this, you know, kind of conformed when they're really meant to start their own promotion campaign or start their own business. And it's really meant for you to spread your wings and do your thing because there's a population that really needs you and it's not being served any other way. So it really is up to you to really take what you have inside of you and the ideas and you have that the thoughts that you have, the passion you have for who you care about and really kind of spread your wings. So that's exactly what Harvey did, and he took off after that conversation that we had. So I'm going to ask you now, Harvey, to tell the audience a bit about who you serve and to really describe um, you know, your ideal customer, because you did start your business.
1: I did, yeah, I did. Um, well, I started by thinking, what am I good at? You know, I think it's an important question to ask yourself. You know, you listen to the podcast, you think, oh, epidemiology is what a great word. What if I could say I'm an epidemiologist? <laughs> so is that actually what you're interested in doing? Is that what you're good at? Is that your strength? Is that where you can be most effective? Um, and so I, I thought to myself, Well, what have I studied? What what's my degree been about? It was about health education and promotion. So I said, Right, let's begin there. So Finding the differences, reviewing my, you know, my, my education and thinking what are the differences between these two things, education, promotion? What am I educating on? Right. What do I want to promote? Uh, who do I want to promote it to? Uh, and what are the desired outcomes, essentially, of, of, of that education and promotion? So my I guess my key target audience would be um, definitely um, uh, black, Asian, minority and ethnic individuals, because I relate to those experiences. Uh, I think it's the most um probably have the most effect, you know, that lived experience that you can share between uh between myself and and and, and those I serve, because I, I understand, you know, I understand where they're coming from. But then primarily looking at sexual health and mental health, obviously, for uh, mainly men of sex with men. Um and that's even expanded further now to be gay, bisexual, trans and intersex men of sex with men, because it's slowly growing and expanding um as, as certain variations are discussed um but just to uh, look at diversity and inclusion ensure that we include them in uh in all of the, the things we're factoring in when we're designing studies when we're designing uh, uh, workshops and seminars do people see themselves in the imagery that we're using uh, are we considering all factors when we when we create resources and we deliver information? Um, are we training other people that don't identify with, with these groups to be more inclusive and more culturally competent when dealing with these groups? That goes for health educators it goes for people who provide sexual health mental health services you know are they trained up on diversity and inclusion so it 's not just the uh, sort of what I would call a service user but it's also a service provider you know uh, large charities or uh, what we would call a um, sexual health providers, whatever it might be, mental health providers, who interact with a variety of different people but maybe don't know how to do it properly when it comes to groups like Black, Black African, African Caribbean men and women. So um, I think that's who I'd say my target audience might be. Yeah. So that, I, I think that's, that's pretty clear in in uh, in my studies as well as in what I've created through my, my business.
0: Mm. I love your clarity. That is so important. My goodness, that's great. Um, so tell me then what, public health products or services do you offer? And also the name, what's the name of your company?
1: So the name of my company is Black Beetle Health. Um, people always go, why Black Peter? Why, you know, why would you choose such a name? I knew that I wanted health to be in it and I knew that I needed to have a uh, sort of some type of icon or logo that would be eye catching and that would uh, represent what I'm trying to do and and when you look at the black beetle the characteristics of a black beetle it's diverse it, you know it comes in all shapes and sizes it is uh, you know it comes in different colors at times you can call it a black beetle but there were variations of that as well you know it communicates using rhythm uh, and vibrations you know these are things that I think describe the groups that I uh, I'm working with and so it's very symbolic in that way um, as opposed to just being explicitly, you know, like black health or, you know, something like that. Um, that's quite typical. So it just you know, raises the question and, and sort of gets people's attention, but also makes people feel safe that so they can approach it. Uh, they can pull it, up, pull it up on their laptop and not feel like it's going to out them or make them feel uncomfortable, um, regardless of where they might be. So with through this company, Black Beetle Health, um, we provide uh, health promotion and education, like I said. Now, while the primary areas might be sexual health, mental health, I have brought on different specialists who um, sort of work in uh, women's health as well or around um, perinatal care. You know, uh, I, I'm looking at uh, specialists in diabetes, people who have areas that I'm not actually good at or not very interested in um, to come on uh, and do what's called evidence based resource development. To create resources that we can use for education and also signpost them to certain services and, uh, and provide opportunities for them as well so that they can um, get the experience that, you know, I feel like I didn't have as well. Um, so we do have those two aspects we do have um, uh, an emerging aspect which is called the Black Beetle Award which basically is a diversity inclusion award scheme that uh, we can approach companies with and companies can then uh, ask us to come in and train them on diversity inclusion there are three different levels to, to it there's um, there's bronze there's silver there's gold and there are different tasks related with um, achieving each of those award uh, levels and essentially um, giving people incentives to take responsibility for their uh, their cultural competence within their organizations um, because I just don't see that that exists. I don't see anyone really doing that. And I think that it's something that's really important and, uh, and very key when you're offering very sensitive services for people um, such as those that I'm trying to reach.
0: That's really good. I really, um, I follow your social media accounts and I'm pretty sure Instagram is where I've seen some of the announcements because you have been really busy um you've got you've had a couple of meetups which I think that's fantastic because apparently the first one turned out really well and you have you've been advertising another one. Um and I've seen some of the the posts, you know, I like your communication style, I like the way that you're um, you know, very culturally competent. I, I see what you mean by, you know, members being of your community being able to look and identify and and seeing someone in the images that looks like them. You know, I like that when I'm looking at advertisements, it's I'm much more conscious that I think we in public health are just much more conscious of that than maybe, you know, non-scientific type of community. But it's always reassuring when I can identify with someone in the image that looks like me or, you know, I can relate to either that, you know, whatever that role is, you know. So I think that that is um, you do a great job of that in your uh, in your messaging. So that's really good. So this is where I'm going to ask you to share some advice, some tips with, with the audience. So let's start with, think about the students, the public health students who may be interested in careers in public health. What kind of advice or tips do you have for current public health students?
1: Um, I would say don't wait, don't wait to be qualified, don't wait to feel like you've got enough of a degree, or don't don't wait to feel as though you know everything because it's not going to happen. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if you were to approach, you know, people who are lecturing, people who are working in the field, that you know, lots of academics, they will reach a point always where they also don't know what the answer is to that question. So don't limit yourself by waiting to know all the answers to all the questions that people have for you. Just uh, just go for it, you know, and it's okay to say, you know, I'm not sure, but I can find the information out for you or I can signpost you or refer you to someone who knows the information um, because I think that where I, I don't want to say I went wrong because my experience is my experience, but I think it would have greatly benefited me to just just start volunteering, just start finding any little public health related thing to try and get into uh, so that when I arrived, you know, at the end of my MPH, uh, that I would have been maybe more equipped to send some applications through because, particularly here in the UK, it's very experience-based. You know, if you didn't, if you've not done it, then, you know, uh, people are less reluctant to sort of take you on. So just jump into it. Just get your hands in there and just do whatever you can. Uh, because, like I've said, all experiences count, no experience is wasted. But you've got to get in there and do the experiences, not just depend on your books. Because, you know, I don't want to say that um, an MPH is easy, but with enough support and enough time, you know, I think – many people could do an MPH. I want to say, I don't want to say everyone can, but uh, many people could do an MPH. So what makes you special is it your, is it your passion? Is it your uh, demonstrated um, efforts in what you've done? You know, whatever that thing is, find it and just pursue it uh, because that's what will make you special. It will keep you motivated. Uh, it will keep you focused and it'll keep you moving. Mm,
0: that's really good. I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I think it's great advice. You mentioned to me this is something that I want you to just kind of elaborate a little bit. You mentioned before about um, you know really learning how to uh, spot or identify those time wasters, uh, things that need to wait your time. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. I am so passionate about this particular thing. It's because you know when you have that goal or something that you want to do, you want to complete something. There will always be people who appear to be very nice, have good positive intent, but really they're just there to waste your time. They might not even realise they're wasting your time because they have positive intent. But you have to know how to identify those people who are not contributing to the broader scheme or the, the longer term goal of what you're trying to accomplish. All the people who have problems with you having to step away early from events or maybe not attend all the events or you know not join all the clubs at uni – Those people who have got a problem with that, okay, they might not be the right people to be around only because uh, if they're not in support of your success and you're moving forward then they're probably not going to, you know, you'll probably end up losing out in the long run Uh, and you don't know what their solutions might be. You know, maybe they've got a private tutor, maybe they have, uh, you know, a parent who will pay for their scholarship to go to the next level of education. You don't know what their arrangement is. So you've got to know when to say no, uh, when to say thank you for your time, when to pull away, and when to count your losses when, uh, with regards to friendships, because, you know, that, that focus is really key.
0: That's great advice. And I think um, I'm really happy that you brought that up and really glad that, you know, to have you go a little bit further into that. That's something that people need to pause and really think about. I think you, it requires a conscious effort. You just can't, because like you said, it can be very sweet and have good intentions, but without realizing it, you can be, you can veer off your path, off your course and really get Kind of caught in the weeds and get really thrown off, and then suddenly you're, you know, wondering where did you, where did I lose my focus? I don't think it always happens like overnight. I think it's, sometimes it sometimes could be a gradual veering away from your focus. So,
1: well, I think that's something that you mentioned very early on in in your series, maybe episode one or maybe episode <laughs> three, about time management and how it's so key to you know, and that's what really got me in because I was designing, you know. I just started my doctorate then, um, and I was trying to manage my time and figure out how I was going to still play badminton, how I was going to do my doctorate, how I was going to work full time, how I was going to keep the house clean. And so I had to structure my my own personal timetable to make sure that I could manage all those things and still have a social life, and still have time to study, and still have time to do all the excess reading and all the reading at lunchtime. that you spoke about, you know, take an article which is yes. at lunchtime. You know, it's all a compilation of that advice. So it's not just, uh, it's not by magic. It's not because someone's intelligent, you know, I consider myself to be diligent and to have a plan. Um, and that's a, just a lesson learned because I was not always like that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really great. I, I love that you can bring back my old episodes like that. I think that's great, but yeah, <laughs> but that is, um, uh, that was, that's a real thing. I mean, especially when sometimes people who are, you know, um, uh, I'll get messages from some, someone who says, I have young children and I work full time. And I'm, especially as a professor, because I do teach and I'll have students who are taking their courses online and I'll get a long list of all the things I have going on and, and they're bogged down with trying to really manage time. And I know, I remember clearly what that's like. And, you know, you really have to find what works for you, but it's it really comes down to having those clear boundaries. and There's some things you are going to be able to do and some things you're not going to be able to do. It doesn't mean you have to be miserable the whole journey. You just have to manage your time and be really almost militant about managing your time uh, so that you don't have those distractions just eating away at you. So, yeah, thank you for bringing all that back and, uh, you know, kind of driving that point home. So now let's think about the graduates because there are graduates who have already completed their degree, but they're still just struggling trying to get into the field of public health for their challenges could be a variety of challenges, but, you know, they're just in general get frustrated after so long trying to get into the field. So what kind of advice or what tips do you have for graduates who are still just feel like they're spinning their wheels trying to get into the career field?
1: Well, without trying to sound like I'm copying what Dr. Huntley has uh, already said, (laughs) uh, you know, don't be afraid to work in another field on your way to the field you want to be in. And it's so true. Dr. Hunt does not say that because uh, it's just some good advice that she pulled out of a box somewhere. It's true. I did it myself. Uh, Now on the other end of the tunnel, having worked in education and feeling like education is great, but this is not where I need to be, you know, working at a secondary school or high school level, uh, you know, and not being able to practice any public health, you know, there was some PSHE, which is, um, related to sexual health, uh, at that level, but it wasn't really the level of public health I should have been doing. I accepted that that was where I was. And then alternatively on the side, did my volunteering. So I still had my hand in public health. I was still getting my experience and I was still able to pay my bills because being sat at home not doing anything was not helping anybody. So not being afraid to just work in a different sector or maybe a parallel sector or maybe just um, doing it part-time, or maybe volunteering because volunteering is equally as valuable. It depends on uh, on what you did when you were volunteering. That's most important, not the fact that you were volunteering. So um, if you've graduated and you feel like things are not happening for you, don't waste time feeling sorry for yourself. Take those 24 hours feel bad, that's fine. But after those 24 hours are done, get back into the game and hatch a plan and move forward because time lost can be regained. So just get in there and do it.
0: Great advice. Very powerful. And I agree with you. You know, we have to, and I think it's really, I like what you said, you'll give yourself a moment to just, you know, wallow in it for a bit, have your pity party, cry it out, whatever you need to do, but then move on. Um, So that's, you know, I think that's just, I, I like that. I've done that myself. I just have to sometimes have my moment and then I can pick myself up. And it's not that it's that easy, but, you know, it's like, okay, well, instead of trying to rush it through and run through, not even allowing yourself to kind of deal with whatever you're dealing with, it it can just have you bottling it up and that's not good. But yes, you just have to keep moving forward. And then it's interesting because sometimes people can be so focused on that Particular career that they have in mind, then you do that. And then after you've done it for a while, you find that there's something more you want to, you want to specialize more. You want to pivot or shift into something a little different in, in public health. And all of the experience is still very valuable. It's important. You know, I, I realize. There was a point where I was really trying so hard to transition into public health from healthcare. And I was so fixated on trying to get into public health. And then after so many years in public health, I realized all of that, all those years in, in healthcare really kind of created a superpower. Um, and I'll give you an example. Recently I wrote a report for uh, one of our pharmaceutical clients. It was about. It was infectious disease topic. So, you know, hospital acquired infections. And it's one thing to research that and to understand that from an epidemiological point of view, you know, statistical analysis, download the data, um, you know, do the visualization. But I have also years of isolating those same agents, those, those bacteria in the, in the clinical laboratory. I know their morphology. I know a lot of their structure. I know about the susceptibility of each of those bacteria from experience of isolating them and working the patient samples in the clinical setting to then come into the realm. So I bring that perspective into the work that, you know, I was doing recently, um, you know, from the epidemiology point of view. So as I discussed it, I had a whole different conversation with the client about that condition and that situation that not the, no one else on my team can have that conversation because they didn't have the 12 years in clinical microbiology that I did. So you you know it's you may not think that your past experiences are really valuable until you start to pull on that and draw, and you realize that that makes you even more unique and gives you um, gives you more um, of a bargaining power really in your can, it can be in your current role if you choose to bring it on in there with you. So be proud of all of your background. Absolutely even
1: teaching science just to bring it alive for myself teaching biology teaching chemistry teaching physics you know prior to doing that when i was toward the end of uni i worked as a healthcare assistant or um certified nursing assistant so cna uh working on an adult and pediatric wing so you know, a lot of the care that I engaged with, you know, I was able to refer to that. You know, we talk about C diff, we speak about, you know, MRSA or MRSA. You know, and, and watch the, the eyes light up. Oh my goodness! You know, tell me another story. You know, that without that experience, that you know, I, I don't know how much yes. how interested they would have been. You know, because science is not the most easy thing to study, um, and so it's it, you know, it was nice to be able to refer to that. They would, you know, oh, and then what happened? And then. You <laughs> <You know>? yes <laughs> uh, and so when I say that experience was not wasted you know even though I was working as a CNA at the time healthcare assistant at the time thinking to myself like why am I doing this you know I have you know I will have <laughs> I have a degree you know this is not what I should be doing you know but it was part of a bigger picture that I didn't realize at the time so no experience is wasted you know um just clutch onto every little experience and, and just wait for it all to come together because it will come together in the end.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you for being such a you know faithful listener of the podcast and such an advocate with the podcast. I know you share it with all of your friends and in your in your network all the time, and I really appreciate that. And uh, and I also appreciate you opening up and talking about your journey into public health and your business and just all the things that you shared. Your advice and feedback for for the audience. So. Thank you. Just a hundred times. Thank you. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Dr.
0: And uh, now I will provide you. You gave me your connections for social media, the website, all of that. I will provide all of the ways that you can connect with Harvey in the show notes for this episode. So no worries about you know, if you weren't able to take notes, if you were driving while listening, I really want you to check out the website, connect with him on social media, support, you know, what he's doing, the business. When you see him on social media, interact with his, his accounts and retweet if you're on Twitter and, you know, like and comment on Instagram and following him on LinkedIn, all of that good stuff. Connect with him, ask questions if you're, if you're curious, if you're thinking about, you know, any of the things that he talked about, if they speak to you, starting a business, um, any of that, reach out to him, and um, and yeah, I will be in touch. I want updates. Uh, we're we're in touch, so I, I don't have to worry about that. But I look forward to really hearing about what you're doing and where you're going with this new business in the months and years to come. So Absolutely. all the best to you. I really I really mean that. All the best to you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I'd like to thank Harvey for joining me on this episode and discussing his public health career journey and for sharing such great advice and tips. If you'd like to connect with him, just visit the show notes page for this episode, which is episode 112. Go directly to drchuntley.com and click on podcasts from the main menu, then navigate to episode 112 and you'll find the show notes. Remember that you can also click on the resources tab from the main menu of the website and select your free audiobook and start your free audible trial. Or you can just visit audibletrial.com forward slash public health. All right, everyone. Until next time, have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast at drchuntley.com.